I'm a little pissed we haven't got any Gary Nips this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of the Prestige Ish Media Podcast. In this episode, we will be covering True Detective Season 2, Episode 8, the season finale, Omega Station. Please note this episode may contain spoilers of the first and second full seasons of True Detective. I'll be your host for this episode, Craig Lake. Co-hosting with me for this episode will be Jessica Z and Dan McNair. You can find our show at Prestige Ish Media on Instagram and Prestige underscore Ish on X. You can find me at Real Real Batman on both. You can find Jessica Z at Jobless Dog Mom and Dan McNair at Dan McNair 1017, both on Instagram. We hope you will join us for coming episodes as we cover True Detective seasons one through three on the way to the season four premiere January 14th on HBO, which we will also be covering. Now, without further ado, here's the episode. The finale. We're at the end of season two, guys. Oh, my goodness. It's so exciting. And in a season of episode names that make sense, True Detective, season two, episode eight, Omega Station. I had to look up what Omega Station means. Give it to me. It's something to do with radios and low gravitational bandwidths. It has nothing to do with anything in the episode. It's basically... Since episode five of season one, they jumped the shark on episode names, in my opinion. This episode was written by Nick Pizzolatto Solo. It was directed by John Crowley of Beyond the Sea fame and episode five fame. Good old John Crowley is back for more. Dan, what did you rate this episode? I was not happy. I put it at a (laughs) 5.4. Okay, Jessica, you said you liked the ending. What do you give this episode? Eight. Eight. I will give this episode a comfortable 6.9. The old Craig Lake staple. I almost gave it a seven. Then we would have been so close. (laughs) I was going to say between a six and a seven. And I think this is, with you going eight, I'll I'll stick with the old. I'm going eight because it ends on a real girl power note. I think the 6.9 would be better for the sex party episode. Added if those o- around, right? If only. <laughs> In an episode with the sex party and me giving two episodes a 6.9, neither of them were the sex party. Much like this season, a big disappointment across the board. All right, so let's get into it. Bezeratus and Ray are in bed. And if there's anything that's going to be sexy bed talk, she starts talking <laughs> about being molested and he starts talking about his murder. She mentions getting in the car with this guy. He called me pretty. I liked it. I got in the van with a stranger. Every time I remember that feeling like pride, I get sick in my stomach. I was proud that he thought I was pretty. Ray talks about killing the random guy, shot him right when he was turning. He says it didn't make anything better. When he was with her, he said, I haven't been like this in a long time. I couldn't tell what he meant just like in bed with a woman, but yeah, um, it wasn't it like he was particularly happy. I haven't been with like this in a long time, years. She says, I could tell. And then she says, you seemed like you were making up for lost time. I'll start here, Jessica. 
that is not a good sign if someone says you seemed like you're making up for lost time, right? I would take that as a negative. How do you read that? That you haven't been present in the past? Is he maybe a little active more than he should be? Or what were your takes on this scene with them overall, them talking about their various situations? Dan, do you want to chime in first? Okay, so just to preface, this is a 90-minute episode. Okay. Or roughly somewhere in that bit, which is long. It's longer than normal. So you're thinking you're going to get more good stuff. And the fact that they spend a long time just showing them taking turns, watching the window, being in bed, putting the blanket on the other one, talking about like why they're all messed up and stuff like that. I didn't need any of this. We knew they were messed up. We knew they hooked up. This is like 10 wasted minutes of TV for me. It didn't do anything for either character. It didn't make me think that they were more perfect for each other in any way. It was just annoying. With all the other things that are going on, this was an entirely wasted moment to me. Yeah, and I'll cycle back to last time. Without Bezarita's having a payoff for all of this talk about what happened to her, it's just gross to listen to. You know what I mean? It's not fun. There's no real payoff. There it's were unnecessary. Re- there were real emotions here and real emotions of somebody who's gone through abuse that if they're tied to a payoff makes sense. But once again, left without a payoff is a little tough. Jessica, any other thoughts on this first scene with them hooking up and the, as Dan put it, artsy way that they shot the beginning and the opener here? Oh, yeah, I didn't like it. My thoughts, once again, to your point, Dan, is this is a little bit about Pizzolatto being off the rails with nobody controlling him here. I think yeah. this is where you need a more experienced showrunner tightening this thing up a little bit. And I didn't even really put it in the context of the length of the episode. But yeah, it's batshit crazy how long this episode is for what we get in the episode. Uh, so with that said, Frank is once again telling his wife she's got to leave 100 grand, go to Venezuela. She doesn't want to leave him, so he starts being a dick and saying, take your payout and get the fuck gone. Tosses his wedding ring out. You're known to like Frank. Did you take any of this as Frank trying to do the right thing to get her to leave? Frank being a dick? What did you think was happening here, Jessica? I think it was Frank trying to not take responsibility for how much danger that he's put her in while still also trying to save her a little. Dan, did you at any point believe he was serious about, you know, being rude to her? Did you kind of have this read the whole time is what he was trying to do, which is just get her to Venezuela? With old nails, your buddy old nails. Go ahead. Uh, Freaking nails. (laughs) But there was a line here that I really really liked, considering how hard I was on Vince Vaughn early in the season. Um, And it seemed like a MacGuffin made just for me. When she tells him, you can't act for shit. That's funny. I don't know I don't know how much of an accident that was. Yeah, that is funny. I like that. So we get Ray Burris call. He basically is trying to get Ray to get them the documents, telling him Woodrow's dead. And he's not in these words, but he's, you know, the guy was gay, right? To be like, why do you care about this guy? So as they're like getting over the death of Woodrow, did you think, did you guys think when they find out about the death that Bezaridis's 
reaction was adequate or too much for as long as they've all been together? Like, did you ever really get them all as a singular unit of camaraderie or I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of buy it. I also think it was kind of overacted. Dan. I, I wanted to, but in the gravity of the particular situation and how it relates to them, I can see Bezarito's feeling that way in a very personal level, not because she cared a lot about Woodrow, but because the stakes of it mean now she is kind of on the same level. So I can see her reacting that way in a very personal, fearful way. Oh shit, they did that to him. They can do that to me. They can do that to my sister. They can do that to my dad. I'm glad I took these precautions, but here's the proof of it. Any thoughts on your side, Jessica? just upset because they did work together but she didn't have a chance to sleep with him who was upset more you or woodrow or who was upset you or bezaritas over woodrow's death why would i be so upset you said he was like the person you wanted to marry and you were devastated by it yeah i'm looking at getting you know death benefits from the police department oh my gosh everything's (laughs) working out fine over here so somehow they go from this to piecing together the crew list that there were two of them, like Ray, I don't know where like there was two of them. And then he gets the crew list out. They remember the set photographer magically, who was Tyler, Leonard Tyler, who was, I guess, Tyler Osterman. I mean, they did the two for as far as magically piecing this together, right? It was a little convenient. Almost worse than the first one they pieced together, I think. I think it is worse than the first one. Ray does give Bezaritas an out. He says, if you just want to take off, you know, now. And she says, if there's a chance to get them, I want to take it. Ray says, I was never big on running myself. Frank shows up at the Chassani's. Adult Mayor Chassani is dead. It seems poorly made to look like a suicide. Is that how you read it, Dan? It was not like the pills are there. It seemed like Tony had done his, you know, crappy son job of staging this. Well, it's weird that we don't actually see the death, but I think it is a nod to Sunset Boulevard, a a classic Hollywood throwback kind of thing. But I don't know what to make of that reference. Everything else, just, you know, his interaction with the wife and stuff like that, it's all kind of funny to me, really. Yeah, to me, it just looked like this son is such a, you know, special dude. What's what's <laughs> he say, Jessica? Do the, say the line, Bart. Yo, Ronnie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say, say the line, Bart. Uh, Yo, yeah, Ronnie, he just, who the fuck these people? <laughs> he just seems like such a dipshit. And it's obviously staged. And as we find out, like at the end, like obviously he's going to be the one who takes over Vinci. So it's all set up the whole time. Bezer, Redis, and Ray find, I guess it's Tyler Osterman. Is that these are the Osterman children? Is their real name? Even the closed captioning, I think sometimes wasn't going by their real names, but they find the house. There's like a bunch of cameras and pictures of all the detectives, specifically Holloway and Lieutenant Burris. And that's where we see Erica, who I guess is Laura, asking for Len, who I guess is Leonard Osterman, or Leonard was one of his names. I don't know, dude. Asking for Len. 
they take an interview with Laura slash Erica. She talks about how they went, she went, they went into group homes. She started working the street. She found out about the parties. Tasha had told her about the diamonds and she had known Ben Casper because he used to visit my mother. She changed her name, her hair, started digging into all of this stuff. Len and her found each other way back and they had both been through a lot. What were your thoughts on this kind of all tying together, Jessica? I guess I'll just leave it at that. What were your thoughts here? Let's hear from Dan first. Okay, so I think it's totally fucked up that she's like handcuffed to a fireplace. Is that the situation that they find her in? I think so, yes. So that much is just like really weird that I'm guessing it's her brother that did this to her. Yeah, so they do give the quote where she had drugged Casper, and then when Len got there, he saw how Casper's house with all the sex imagery, and that's what sent him over the edge. They were going to use the acid to make Casper talk, but Len got too angry. They asked about why the body was on the side of the road. He said, she said that Len thought it was funny to put him on the side of the road, that Casper was just confessing everything as this was all going down. And this is where, when they're trying to find out how she got where she ended up, she says, I was trying to stop him. He's going to Halloway and Burris. He's going to trade the hard drive and try to kill uh, Halloway. The hard drive is blank. They tried to open it, but like the USB, they didn't have the password and it wiped it. She says she was going to try and stop him. And that's, I think, why he handcuffed her. Go ahead. Well, and that's another wet fart on the season for me because we want some payoff and justice. We, we got it to a certain extent in the first season. There hasn't really been a lot of it in this season. So we're hoping that people get their comeuppance. But this hard drive is what we've been like looking for the last three episodes. And we want it to have something really damaging, you know, really that's going to be a huge payoff. And we find out that it was wiped and the tragic brother is now handcuffing the tragic sister to a fireplace. It doesn't make any of these characters likable and it doesn't seem like there's going to be any of the payoff that I'm looking for. But and Well, if we're being honest, like I know... Jessica's horny for Woodrow, so he's likable to her. Maybe he's more likable to you. I don't like the situation that he puts his family in or effectively Emily or his kid in. You're just saying that because she's your marriage choice. No, I just think it's shitty across the board. But I guess I guess my point of all this, is, to speak to what you're saying too, Dan, there's not a lot of root to root for here. You know, but, and I guess in the first season... And it's to what you just said. The word that triggered me was when you talk about them being likable. It's like, there's not a lot likable in this whole show. There's some things that are more funny than others. There's some people that you like more than others. But like, Frank may be one of the more likable people. And Jessica doesn't like him. Like in the first season. And I think that's why it's so hard to do with it. likable? Because he's got witty one-liners. He's just um, a selfish, greedy man. These men, damn patriarchy. I think what I would say is as much as you guys didn't like Marty and as unlikable as they both may have been, the reason the first week season worked so well is no matter what they both did, there were likable parts to both, both Rust and Marty, I think. And I think we're not left with a lot of people to root for here. And 
the people we feel bad for, or like some of the worst people in the show. Like you want to feel bad for these kids who are abused, but they're like some of the worst. It would have been really easy easy if they would have painted them in a different light. I think to you know kind of just give a positive direction and spin and just that payoff that you hope for when you get to the end of a season of somehow some things being set right. And here in this last episode, we're just like floundering so much. And I do want to touch on that a little more at the end, but I guess one other thing I would say is some of the things I've heard, what I think I hear from you too, is like some of the things you want to see, you're just not seeing, like they're not giving you the scene. And it's, I think, okay, if you don't show this scene or that scene by themselves, but when they all start collecting and you're not seeing these payoffs, I think that's a little more problematic too. I would totally agree. Did you have any other thoughts on Len and Erica and her being handcuffed to the, I guess it's a fireplace here, Jessica? Did you feel bad for her? But I mean, she also kind of got herself in that situation by going along with everything up until that point. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I feel... I can feel for her, I guess, the most. But then when they start getting into the really nook and cranny of it with Casper. But you got to understand, like, they watch Casper kill their parents. Go ahead, Dan. Well, and I also think just the whole storytelling was a little bit clunky as far as figuring out who's who. And this is the first time that we see the brother since, you know, that post-apocalyptic Mad Max, you know, movie set. And for me, just trying to figure out who's who, I was still up until this point thinking that the brother and the sister were like the Chisani kids. It took a long time in multiple episodes. Maybe I just wasn't watching it as closely as I needed to, but to figure out like where we were and who was who. So I, I was a little bit turned around and just trying to gain my bearings. So then... Bezaritas has this statement is supposed to keep her to basically clear their names. She somehow unexpectedly decides to let this girl free at the train station. Any comments on that decision, Jessica? Was there proof against her? Well, they recorded the statement of everything. The whole goal is by having her and having the statement Maybe they oh, can yeah, clear their names. Oh, yeah, but if I were her, I would just be like, this rogue cop had me at gunpoint and made me say all this stuff. Because, I mean, also, if she went to the police, that girl knows too much. What's his name? Burris would take care of her before anyone found out and would take care of Bezerita, whatever her name is. Dan, any thoughts on that? So you said train station. I'm getting confused. Well, bus station. The bus but yeah, station. bus station. Because yeah, there's she a big train the... station scene. Yeah, sorry. Trains, okay. planes, we're under a record room that might be a subway station. <laughs> I mean, I would have called that a subway station or a train station if this wasn't a train station. Yeah, leaves her at the bus station. Okay, well, yeah, I think she's just trying to do what's best in trying to convince this girl to just take a new life. You can be whatever, you can do whatever. You need to forget about this. Your brother's basically dead. He made his choice and just do the best you can with your new life. Yeah, but in that process, Get she's as far effectively away as possible. She's effectively given her and uh, a death sentence by doing that. Uh, I mean, I can understand it, but I just don't know how good it made logistical sense. I think they're already a target. 
But I'm saying their only real hope of getting cleared is having these guys dead to rights. And by letting her go, she's gambling with their future to save this girl's future. Cleared by the cops? Well, I mean, they can take her to the media. They can take her somewhere. I mean, without her, they've got nothing. And they're on the run. And that's where we end up at. But I mean... No, nah, she knows it's too big. The the people involved are too big. They would said. never. My bigger point: there's a lot of loose threads. It feels like at the end of the season, and here's another one where we don't really ever know what happens with this sister. She just goes off. The powers that be don't necessarily get called into question, and she could easily get roped back in, and you know, completely just driven under by the powers that be. And you were saying, Jessica, you just think it's too big for them to really be able to crack the case, even having her. Or what were what else? Did you have any other comments on that? Or what oh, were you like, saying? I feel like it's over. Like, I feel like clearing themselves is over. That's not even going to happen. Yeah, I, I think at like this they point, they still have the document. Point. They still have the documents. They don't want have what's on the hard drive. They can still confront Holloway and Burris. So we'll see. Frank is at the old bar. He's setting up kind of like a stash house with the guns. He's the lady there has him set up, I guess, in the attic of the place. And that girl is still singing by herself. Did this singing (laughs) girl by herself in an empty bar grow on either of you or just still over it? Dan? No, she needs to find another gig. Did the singing girl in the bar ever grow on you, Jessica, throughout this season? No. I give it a lot of credit to just still sticking out out to the end, like the band on the Titanic playing it into the <laughs> playing this shitty season into the ocean. So Ray enters this season in a cowboy hat. What a great disguise, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's wanted everywhere. He goes to the major transportation hub, and this is how we're gonna get around any suspicion. Nobody will notice me. <laughs> With a cowboy hat. That's not going to stand out. <laughs> Old Jessica, what did you think of Ray at the train station in his cowboy hat? How did you feel about that specific outfit? His second best look of the show. Which? Oh, jeez. It took care of his eyebrows. What's his Covered best right look? Up. What's his best look of the show? Just um, the slick back hair? six, when he was sober. So Ray's there. He's trying to get... Leonard, Tyler, Osterman to kind of follow a plan. Holloway is there. They meet on a bench. Little do they know, Luris is lurking in the background. They're trying to cut some sort of deal with Holloway. At some point, Holloway mentions that Ben wanted their mom dead because he had knocked her up. And that I think his sister is Ben's illegitimate daughter as well. And then that is when old Leonard Tyler Osterman loses it, starts slashing. Osterman comes from out of the woodworks. He sh- or Burris comes from out of the woodworks. He's shooting. Somehow Bezaridis is there. She's taking a shot. So Ben is Laura Erica's dad, effectively, and killed their mom because she was knocked. Uh, oh, I thought she he was the dad of the unborn one. I think both. Oh, okay. That's how I, mean, I read it. That's how I read it, but I could be wrong. Because I thought a lot, man. Because I thought when he or maybe it was just the other sister was illegitimate by different means, because it was when he said 
something about the sister being illegitimate that I thought that's when the dude lost his mind. What were your thoughts on how this all played out, Dan? I like the train station scene, even though I thought, you know, Ray being a wanted person, just putting on a cowboy hat was completely cheesy. I thought there's a lot of time space continuum stuff in this whole episode that pisses me off. And this is probably a flashback to season one for me, but the fact that they like show up, figure it out, Ray somehow gets to this train station and finds the brother before anything is supposed to go down seems a little too convenient. They make a deal and then everything kind of goes to shit. I wasn't, I was really surprised that Bezaritos was there and I never understood the rule there. Were we not expecting her to be there? Was she supposed to be there? That was a surprise to me watching it, but I didn't know if she was in on it or not. I really don't know. Well, I think because she wasn't supposed to be there because she was supposed to stay there with the girl. I mean, that was the plan. So she broke the plan, let the girl go and showed up. I feel like she got there before him. What were you? What were your thoughts on that scene overall, Jessica? I didn't know who half the people were. The Black Mountain guy was. Yeah, I, I mean, I barely. Cop. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I barely. This is when I really first even start understanding. I think officially who Burris is. I definitely understood who Holloway was based on the previous episode. There, there's like this whole shootout, and the next time we see Bat Boy, what's his name, Burris? Yeah. He's got his arm in a sling. Did he get shot? He got shot. So who shot who? Was it Bezaritos that shot him in the arm? I think so, because maybe he was going to shoot Ray. Somebody shot him. He shot at Ray. He shot at Ray. Ray Bezaritos shot him. Holloway was getting stabbed. No. And there's a whole thing that gets like... I don't know if it's a hard drive or whatever that's like on the floor that gets like stepped on. But it's washed at the, I mean, nothing's on that hard drive. So they were just using it to foster. When the password didn't work, it got wiped. So the hard know, drive is a prop. Ray at this seems point. really like upset that it gets crushed. Yeah. Ma- maybe he thought they could have accessed it, it somehow or forensic. Unless or that was like his voice recording to his son. There was a lot going on there. Or it could have been the voice recording of. Oh, that yeah. Could have been her. Wait, I don't mission. think it was the. I don't think it was the one for the son because he has that for the one for his son at the end, right? When he's like dying, and in the car, and he's saying like, he uses his phone for that. Uh, but they had voice recorders at one point. Didn't uh, you email the kid, Dan, at his real I, email address? The Did fucker you never him? emailed me back. But I didn't get the mailer. This doesn't exist. I was kind of expecting to get right away that this is not an email account. It went through, but I suppose it's been eight years, so who knows. We get kind of the first, is this the first Bezaritas and Frank interaction? Think back at the bar stash house. Well, they passed each other in the casino originally, like way back in like episode two. He says something to her, oh, you're the lady cop. And she says, what gave me away? The tits? <laughs> I like <laughs> and, that one. And then at some point, she's like, you like Ray? And he's I like Ray. He's telling her um, to take the Ven- Venezuela deal. 
He asked Bezaritas to meet his wife, Jordan, uh, give her a message, fix your lips and your face. No, tell her (laughs) I wanted to be there, I guess was what it was. Frank tells Ray that it was Blake, but that he killed Blake. He says he did not go nicely. Maybe I spared you this one. I think this is where we get the real confirmation that the bar lady was interested in Frank. She's kind of sizing up Bezaritas. Interested in Frank or Ray? Sorry, that the bar lady has been interested in Ray this whole time. As she's talking to Bezaritas, she says that she's been trying to get Ray to go on vacation to San Miguel for a while. Bezaritas asks if she's done this a lot, which is basically sneak them out. She says that she's had a lot more experience sneaking people in than out. She does mention that Ray put the person who hurt her, which is, I assume, which that scar she has on her face, I think, in prison, but also in the hospital. And Frank gave her money to buy the bar, never asked her to pay it back. Does I think this is meant to make Bezaritas feel better about what Frank and Ray were doing. Does it make you feel any better about what Frank was doing, Jessica? I thought it was out of character for both of them. She must have been really hot before she got hurt. I think it was actually in character for both of them and that they're not total pieces of shit. Dan, what was your thoughts? I thought it was nice, but the whole... It's weird because Frank tells her at one point you can have the bar. And I'm not sure timeline where it is before she tells Bezaritos, okay, I can have the bar. Well, I guess maybe he never just asked her for the money back and then he gives it to her at the end, but he had never tried to collect on anything in between, maybe. Okay, because we kind of assumed it was his bar all along, didn't we? I mean, maybe he effectively owned it, but I mean, she's been running it. I don't really know the logistics of that. I never even once thought that maybe he owned it. Oh, really? I thought, no, because I thought if Frank owned it, that there'd be way more people there. Yeah, I mean, more than one guitar player. I think originally, like when we first see that scene, I'm like, oh, it's his bar. And I think as you see it more and more, you kind of assume it's hers. And then you hear he he gave it to her. And then you're hearing this. So I just never put it all together. But I do agree, Dan, there's some incongruency there with how that was all delivered. She does say to Bezaritas, how do you know, Ray? So they set up this raid on a cabin where this money transaction's supposed to go down. I almost think a lot of these scenes could have been a payoff, but because they crammed so many together that none of them pay off. Oh, I totally agree. But it this could have been a really cool scene where they gas the cabin, Frank ends up headshotting Osip, and then this is kind of where they kind of get, all get their money and they're going to part ways and meet down south. Did you have any thoughts on this scene, Dan? I'll just preface that driving around L.A., much as a throwback to geography in season one, now that I know the geography, I was really frustrated with them getting around L.A. in certain locales in this particular episode. Yeah, that makes sense. Jessica, this cabin scene, any thoughts here? What cabin? Where they like gas the cabin and Frank kills Osip. Oh, that was a really good scene. But also like why, I don't know. I guess he said that unless he did it, that they would have kept coming after him. But like, why would he just leave before all this mess? 
Let well, they needed love. Frank needed the money to leave. Like they really, no, he he's... says he did. He has a hundred thousand, and his wife. Let's just go. Well, and he... then he says that's not enough to start over. He's just greedy. Like he could have just, if he really started from the bottom. Actually, I do believe that he started from the bottom at first because when he was burning the casino down, he was walking through the kitchen and turned on the burners. I wouldn't know how to do that. I've never cooked in a big kitchen, but. She taught him from working at Applebee's. How long do you think you need to cook pork in a kitchen like that, Jessica? You just need a good sear on both sides. I would say maybe in the middle. two minutes on each side. Yeah, I mean, I think the point with Frank was, you know, he could have left with the 100, but once he made the commitment to go through the, this thing, he made financial commitments to a lot of these people that he met with. And so I will say that I was... I guess Frank's death is kind of disappointing, but it is rewarding that he gets to pay off all his debtors before he eventually gets trapped and offed. And so I did appreciate that part of it. That's how he gets his passport and everything that he needs to leave. So He seems to spread a lot of money around. Yeah. For someone with no money. <laughs> like here's an extra 200,000. There was a lot in those vaults in the casino and the other place. Story of my life. Ultimately, what gets Ray in trouble is that he says goodbye to Chad. What did you guys think of him giving the old Chad salute on the way out the door? Dude, that didn't that made no sense. Like, why didn't he come and say hi to him? I mean, obviously, we know it's a pretty big mistake. Dan, were you thinking it was a mistake the whole time? Yes, and I was frustrated that he just happened to show up there at Unless this is a school where kids are on recess for like six hours a day, he just happens to show up at the schoolyard at the same time. That they... Well, don't you think that maybe he went at that particular time because he knew his son was at recess? I mean, he could have known. Mm. I mean, I know even to this day, my old school was like 10 to 10, 15 or 10, 30. Maybe he just knew that's when it was. But I do agree that and it's, it's, like it's pretty far out there. That he wasn't allowed to see him. But I do agree it's suspicious, Dan. I will say of all the suspicious stuff in this episode, there's so many worse offenses. Well, but then it's it works one that of... he drives four hours away and to try and lose them with the tracker. And that's about the same time it takes Bezeritos to get 15 minutes away to the dock. So... Yeah, I thought that was wild and I didn't understand what was happening. I guess the only thing that was happening is he was getting as far away from possible to make sure she got away. Is that what we're to take from this? It makes sense, but it's just the the time frame was so agonizing to me. I the guess show it's just a sticking point. Requires a lot of critical thinking. <laughs> like you've well, had and a lot of suspension of belief. Yeah, yeah but yeah. we I or mean reality. I, where it well once again less critical thinking i was gonna say where was the writer's room but apparently probably there was a minimal writer's room so frank gets pinned in by the mexicans they take him out to the desert did you understand how this all went down dan i imagine if you didn't like the other scene where they killed the girl that this one is even worse, but tell me how well, you saw again this. They, okay so i get they they corner at an intersection and then they drive him like three hours away. And there's nothing here necessarily related to anything 
in the Bezeritos or the Ray timeline. So that can operate however it wants, but they get out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm kind of thinking that maybe Frank has an opportunity to live through this. Like maybe there's a window, but dude asks for his suit. And as soon as that happens, I know that Frank would rather die than give up his suit. And it was pretty much over for him right then. So I guess is that established in the opening where he's getting ready for that presentation? Like, where is it established the lore of Frank's suit? Oh, I just think it's his ego and he's willing to do certain things. He will walk back. He will hitch a ride. He will do whatever. Somehow he will not give up his clothes, his pants to this Mexican dude. He will not be made a fool of. Yeah. So he gave them like a million in the car, but he was going to keep the rest of it. Or where was the rest of the money or like how I'm trying to understand how that was all going down. Do you have any understanding of that? No. Is Frank's walk walking through the desert. Did you know as soon as he got stabbed, he was dead, Dan? Or did you think maybe? I didn't like his chances, but I didn't actually 100% know he was dead. Until he was talking to the ghost of Rat Face Wife. We see, he sees like visions of his dad. He sees what I assume was like one of the first gangs he was dealing with. They say, we're going to fuck your shit up, Larry Bird. He gets to the wife. She says she's safe. She's fine. She basically tells him to look back there. You know, he's basically dead. Any other thoughts on this death scene, Jessica? Yeah, I just thought that it was a nice touch that you do know that he's dead when he sees his wife because he all of a sudden starts walking fine. He is no longer in pain. And it was just, I guess he was put to rest nicely. This is a nice so, ending because she tells him you made it. So you liked the way that ended for Frank? I thought it was it a really, yeah. It was kinder than just watching him either dry up in the desert or or bleed out there it was nice that he had the little hallucinations dan was this part of the supernatural stuff you hated or did you appreciate this what were your thoughts on this kind of death scene you know i found it poetic enough it dragged on a little bit long because i was kind of hoping for this character to live but, you know, once we got to it, it did kind of add to the overall tragedy of Woodrow's died, Frank's died, a bunch of other characters in the season have died. It's a pretty dark detective story. That shit crazy this episode's an hour and a half. So Frank or Ray is like in the woods where he's gone off to. I assume this was kind of around where the original cabins were. Is that what we're thinking or does it just look similar? So I forget the name of the town, but when there's the news thing that his dad sees, it's up near Fresno. It's east of Fresno, which is where a lot of the trail, the train acquisition stuff was. Okay, you know, that's the, interesting. The corridor that they were building and things like that. But it's up in the Redwoods in the hills, and it's pretty far away from Los Angeles. That's a long drive. Yeah, I had no totally realization and, and that, of that. That really bugged me. That's two hours away from where I am now. 
Yeah, I think I just assumed they were maybe an hour away, maybe two, but I never would have guessed that's how far they were up there. But I didn't put that all together. You would have to stop for gas and get shot at the gas station far away. Do you think he, Burris really wanted to get to Bezaritas. Do you think he allowed himself to get shot up so he couldn't be exposed for information there? Because it is when he asked for Bezaritas that he kind of gets up. Like after he's been and he's, you know, where is she? And he, he, I think he says like in a better place than here. And that's when he kind of gets up to get shot. So best I can piece together, he was trying to get away and doing that so that Bezaritas would get free. Is that how you read it? My biggest read was he was really trying to connect his whole voice recording to Chad. Oh, yeah. He was trying to get that uploaded, too. At which was a failure. But she got away. So that much is good. Any thoughts as we lay rest, lay Ray to rest, Jessica? Oh, we know that. Well, I was know that he told the bar owner, the bartender woman, that he was gonna lure them away so that Bezaritos could get away. Yeah, and then they just didn't tell her and got her on the boat or whatever. Is that the deal? Dan, go ahead. There was a whole thing with him staring up at the trees and the sun and things like that. It was supposed to mean something. I didn't get it. Didn't mean anything to me, but I noticed. Yeah, I mean, that was right when he's like looking at it and then he says she's in a much better place or something. I don't know. Or I don't know. And maybe he was just trying to show the tree coverage and thinking like, I need to get somewhere where I can get a signal, like not under the trees. I don't know. They were in Redwoods. But then to my beef with episode seven, the second he jumps out in front of like all the bullets flying at him, then Bezaritos has the same moment that Emily had in episode seven, which seemed corny to me. Do you think maybe both their children were immaculately conceived? They were immaculately telling mom, oh, dad's dead. Cry. This isn't it's, a show that plays to that sort of thing. I don't know. I I, I love that Bezaritos had his kid and that she has stuck by Frank's wife because now it's almost like Frank's wife has her baby. She's able to have a baby. It's just with a lady. So the first time you watched it and you see the reveal of this baby, did you think it was Frank's wife's or Bezaritos? When she walked in the room, I was like, oh, they stole a baby in whatever country they're in or like they traveled to that country to adopt like a cheap baby. But then then when Bezaritos picked it up and kissed it and put it in her carrier, I was like, oh, that's mom. That's funny. Well, one other thing that I was going to say is we get two other things or three other things before we kind of get there, four other things or five other things. Uh, Ray's dad has to watch the news of Ray like being like the fugitive and the murderer. And I think oh, that sucks. Yeah, just dragged through the mud. And especially because his dad wanted to be like, I think kind of a cleaner cop and didn't get tied up in that 92 riot stuff with the other cops. Like got to be kind of a bummer for him. Yeah, I thought his dad was a bad cop. I don't think so. He, he was maybe racist, but not necessarily <laughs> a bad guy. But he said when his hands were all bloody and stuff from punching the guy, he's like, you have your dad's hands. That's a really good point. Bloody knuckles come up a ton and we haven't really addressed it. I don't I mean, know what it means. But my knuckles, knuckles are bleeding right now. Because <laughs> it's dry. No, I'm just Ray's knuckles 
come up bloody in four or five episodes of the season. And it, to me, goes largely unexplained. Because it's just who he is and he can't escape it. It's who his daddy was and it's who he was born to be. Is or it that he's... he knows, I don't know, he's constantly thinking about the blood on his hands. But he's a fighter, so is he like punching walls? Is he punching people? I don't necessarily get it. Is he just... We're talking Ray. Is Ray doing these things? Well, the first time was after he beat up the kid's dad. I mean, they still could have been pretty bloody through the whole time. I mean, that timeline's pretty short in that front end. I'm going thing, though. I think there's more there, and I just... I never got the takeaway from it. I just thought that one scene was supposed to mean that his dad was a fighter. The the scene in episode three where they're having the whole... After he's been shot, and they're in the funeral or heaven nightclub with conway twitty well i've seen this damn thing two times and didn't tie it together so if you want to reveal (laughs) the mystery of the bloody necklace on season three episode one i'll be here for the dan reveal (laughs) but i'm not going back through this mf one more time i only watched this so i'd never have to do it again um there's a lot more on the vine woodrow gets a highway i thought that was nice Tony Chisani becomes mayor. They break ground on the railway, which with what appears to be Chinese investors, but maybe it's something else happening. But that's kind of what it appears happens. And now we can kind of get into this close. Bezaritas gives info to the Times, tells them not to do anything till she disappears. Are we thinking she recounted this whole season to him? I'm a little confused. That's what I was like. Oh, is this just like a flashback? Yeah, inscription. The weirdest thing that she drops there, and I caught it both. I caught it the first watch, and I didn't really process it. And then the second watch, it really stung for me. She's talking about Ray, and she's talking about justice to his sons. And I'm like, wait, we got weird ass Chad, who she's talking about sons. Oh, and we do see in this we do see in this process that Chad is Ray's son on the portrayal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The oh, whole that movie. broke my heart because, and then I was like looking at his wife like she was kind of a villain because. But hot. I don't, if she, I don't know. She just, adjacent. She did all of this, and she's no know, Beth or Lisa. She, she made well Ray as far think, as this season goes she made ray feel like life wasn't like his life wasn't worth living anymore over something that was untrue well he so as far as she's concerned ray never murdered anyone so to her she feels terrible but ray definitely still did murder somebody in the wrong yeah. person but he as far as she some, as far, some tweaker as far as she's concerned ray never did that and this is all like you know, I, I'm sure she feels terrible. Did you guys want to give any final comment? So this is why I, I couldn't talk about it at the beginning of the season, but I think it's so screwed up that they didn't make Chad at least look a little closer. So there's some question, like the yeah. Chad casting was just such a terrible move still, even Bro, knowing this I at the texted end. you though when Ray went to the prison and I said, 
he looks even less like the kid yeah. somehow. I thought <laughs> yeah. that I thought that Ray could not look further from Chad, but no, that guy looked even because that guy was like more handsome, which I thought made him look less like Chad. We're gonna need to see the drapes on the mom before we can make a final decision <laughs> here. That's the only explanation that's left in this dog and pony well, show. We've seen her drapes. I think you mean her carpet. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> let's let's see her real drapes and her real carpet. So I will say that for me, like I was processing, I think if I remember how I was processing it, it was like I was like wondering if she had adopted. And then I think I kind of came around to Bezaritas when she put the baby in the sling too. I think that's kind of how I saw that well, scene she, like, too. Picks it up and it's, oh. Originally, Jessica on first watch, I thought the baby was Frank and the other woman's. Well, that's what I that's what I thought until Bezaritas came in and picked it up, and then I was like, oh, she's. Like it wasn't until my second watch that I went, I it was oh, that's raised another kid. woman to take. No, she that. thought Frank's wife finally had a baby. Yeah, but you thought it was normal for another woman, meaning Bezaritos, to come in and just take the baby out of her hands and just start kissing it and smelling what, it. And what I it. thought was weird, it was when when Bezaritas pushed it over and it got a bump on its head, and then she put it. Put him right to sleep i thought that was kind of a weird scene yeah that's called that needs a detective <laughs> dan do you want to rate the season and give us your closing thoughts i don't know that i have a number for it but the first half of the season i really enjoyed and it we all like know it we a, heard you go ahead no just it had a lot of potential the second half of the season was a letdown like it didn't really Com comparing the first two seasons the first season it felt more artistic i enjoyed it more visually the second season i liked the bigger cast a lot of characters that had some interesting qualities to them that maybe never got developed to the point that i wanted them to and so ending the second season i feel like there are a handful of loose threads that left me very unfulfilled and not enjoying the season as much as the first season but it i didn't get there until after we got you know over the midpoint and what do you give it as a rating for the whole season i wish i knew what i gave the first season but i'd give it somewhere six and a half six point five jessica rating for this season five. and final thoughts i give five i give the first of the season like a 2.5 and then the last season like a seven i don't know what dan's talking about i <laughs> thought the second half was way better it made way more sense the first half was just like you use the word disorientating i think when we were talking about it and i agree and but i love that it, the whole meaning behind it just girl power just showed that men make horrible decisions <laughs> and that women have to live with them but they persevere. join us for season three spice girls true detectives no that's season four no that's old we spice have to, girls <laughs> we have to suffer through one more season of men and then it's but yeah whoa, and, whoa, whoa. and then worked out for the women and I should have realized that it, you know, it shows a, a female business owner, the bar that they kept going back to. And 
So I think this is funny. I think I'm going to give it a six. And if you put our scores together, we end up right in the middle in that 6.5 range. That's pretty funny. It started out very rocky for me, but I would say episodes three through 10, I generally enjoyed. There were no real high highs. And I think I just generally accepted the lows. So yeah, it was fine. I would say there's been other seasons like, I said season three, I think, of Only Murderers was fine. I think that was my review. I would rather watch season three of Only Murderers like four times before watching this one more time. I did have a question for you on the ending, though, Dan. Speaking of how bleak it is, I was not in the thick of the original season reaction, but I existed when it was going on. And I think possibly there was some conversation like maybe that first season ended that one, they didn't give it. They don't give a direction for where the characters are going. So they don't wrap everything up neatly, but they wrap it up happily. They wrap it up somewhat happily and unneatly, I guess. And in this season, it's, it could be a response to criticism because it's bleak for most of the characters and they really give us some definite, not good direction, not clear direction, but I mean, we know kind of know where everybody lands at the end for the most part. Like we get the video of the city, we know where Tony is, we know that everybody gets away with everything. So I think it's more bleak, but also descriptive, whereas the first one was more happy and less descriptive. I'm wondering if some of it is a response to criticism or if maybe in that first season with a little bit more feedback, they kept it more on a tangible rail for an ending and Pizzolatto left to his own is just, this is what he does. Any thoughts there is it being a little bit of an overcorrection to season one? I don't know. It's weird with them killing basically 75% of the main characters off in season two with Woodrow, Frank and Ray all biting it and at the end of season one there was a lot of oh there's this bigger story that hasn't gone resolved people getting away with a a bigger sense of it season two yeah it wasn't fulfilling in the same way everybody basically gets away with it the major difference i think between one and two is one is kind of a serial killer thing where there's a lot more other victims out there and season two we've really got one focal murder a handful of side murders and more of a like government cash grab kind of thing going on that is more not really a detective thing but like a conspiracy type thing so when i still go back to it's not the first time i've said it this season like season one felt more like true crime mystery whatever and this felt more like procedural, maybe a little bit of like noir, you know, maybe. Jessica, any final thoughts on the end, on the, any final thoughts on the ending? Did we find out who took the 5 million from Casper? No, that was a loose thread we never found out. Well, no, so Casper bought the property, but then he had the buy-sell agreement with Chisani and... Osip, that if he dies, oh, he signed split the, the property. Shares. So he bought it and then they bought it for nothing with the buy share agreement when he died. So I still can't figure out how he agreed to that, but that's what ended up happening. Yeah, they got his shares for nothing. 
Tribal. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Prestige-ish Media Podcast. In this episode, we covered True Detective Season 2, Episode 8, the season finale, Omega Station. I was your host for this episode, Craig Lake. Co-hosting with me for this episode was Jessica Z and Dan McNair. You can find our show at Prestige-ish Media on Instagram and Prestige underscore ish on X. You can find me at Real Real Batman on both. You can find Jessica Z at Jobless Dog Mom and Dan McNair at Dan McNair 1017, both on Instagram. We hope you will join us for coming episodes as we cover True Detective seasons one through three on the way to the season four premiere January 14th on HBO, which we will also be covering. Thank you again for listening. If you can, please like and subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms. And we hope you will join us again for another episode soon. What's the one where the, like, the guy is, is it like Robert Redford is like the male prostitute or what's what? the show? <laughs> what are you talking about? what is it? Are uh, you talking about... One with Demi Moore and Woody Harrelson. No, I don't think that's one. it. Hang on. A decent proposal is what I'm thinking. You're talking about. I just, I just put in. This will tell you how tired I am. Male prostitute, male prostitute. <laughs> that nails it down. If there's Redford. two, what's on Craig's search history? It couldn't have been Robert Redford. Hang on, cowboy hat movie. John Travolta, male. Midnight Cowboy. I think that's probably it. It's quite a stretch for me. To it was a little bit it. before my time. I could only remember. It's uh, before my time. Oh. I can only remember the Family Guy parody of it. Is, okay. is actually well, where I'm pulling it from. Peace. Say goodnight. Goodbye. Goodnight.